the show. I'm Dan Brophy. Today I'm chatting with Hugh Crothers, who is an old friend of mine who has recently launched a sex positive product line and content platform for his brand Drip. Drip is a beautiful, high design, sex positive line of lubricants, breath sprays, sex toy cleaners, but all designed for a queer leaning audience. Although let's face it, like all good things, it'll probably start <laughs> with a queer audience in mind and then become a mainstream sensation. But I, I was wrapped not only because the product line is beautiful and really well designed and really speaks to a niche, but also has its heart in the right place in terms of trying to create a platform that uses really frank, inviting and championing sex positive language around thought leaders and stories that exist within a sex positive space for an online universe that supports the product line. So it's a great way for people to get a sense of what it's like to go on the journey to find a career trajectory that speaks to all the different avenues of investigation that one can make over five, 10 years. I mean, I've known Hugh for 16 years and in that time, he and I have both changed our career trajectory so many times, but the place that we find ourselves in today is perfectly, it's a perfect amalgamation of all of the seeming dead ends and frustrations that we've faced along the way. So I wanted this to be a really great reminder for anyone that's on that journey themselves that when you finally get to that place where you can combine what you, the change you want to see in the world with something you can make money from, with um, what you love, what you're passionate about, basically, the whole point of this podcast, which is to turn what you love into what you do, when you get there, it's really important to realize that everything that you've been through on the way to discovering the aha moment wasn't for nothing. Nothing's wasted. It's all about gathering the intel to allow you to really be of service to yourself, to the world, to your community. And Hugh certainly found a way to do that. So please enjoy my chat with Hugh Crothers from the product line Drip. This. Good one. Cool. Ah, how you doing? Good, good. How are you? Yeah, great. I was actually like, yeah, we said before we didn't want to make sure we had a moment of brilliance come up in the conversation naturally. So we had to start recording before we started chatting because uh, you and I have known each other for some time now. I reckon about 15 years. Um, yeah, what is, so I'm 34 and I reckon I met you when I was 18. So I reckon it's even more than that maybe. Maybe it's 36 years. No, sorry, 16, 17 years. Love that. And actually, so I'm, I'm, today we're going to talk about drip feed. Drip. And drip feed is actually the... Uh, 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 a supportive platform around drip but for those for the uninitiated for the unlubricated what is drip um so drip is a, a sex positive content platform and range of products uh, all with the purpose of trying to minimize friction around sex and sexual well-being so um, friction really comes in many many forms but the idea is that if this is you and this is you experiencing pleasure how do we get you closer to that point Drip Feed is a content platform uh, created um, online and via Instagram where we engage sex workers, sex therapists, sex psychologists, academics, you know, activists, artists to create um, you know, informative, engaging educational content. Um, and that's all available for free on uh, dripfeed.life. In addition to that, we do fortnightly mixes uh, by DJs that come out every Friday fortnight. And they're, again, aimed at reducing friction or trying to create mood and ambience between either yourself, if it's around self-pleasure, or with others, if it's um, you know, with one or many partners. And then Drip, uh, the way we fund that content is via selling products. So we create locally made in Melbourne, dermatologically tested, vegan, um, organic, uh, lubes, sex toy cleaner, and the other product is morning breath spray. Again, all are aimed at reducing that idea of friction. So if you're going to have sex with someone, be it yourself or with others, how do we make that experience as 
luxurious and premium as possible from the packaging through to the formulation. So you're not using um, the lack of good products as an excuse to not experience pleasure. So Fantastic. Um, I actually just had an idea. Well, when as we're mm. talking to each other, I have to remind myself to look into my iPhone camera as opposed to the screen. Right. So that's I'll keep doing that. that's yeah. And I might even. I mean, I don't even particularly need to have. Uh, I don't even particularly need to have my video showing. That this, this will make it easier mm -hmm. for you not to okay. look at the screen. Okay. Yeah. Um, and um, so w when you were thinking about this. Was it responding to a gap in the marketplace that you thought, wait a minute, why are all the products in this space um, missing all these yeah. really key considerations? T totally. I think there's a couple of, there's, it's very layered as to how this all came about. But for me, um, and I mean, I think we were both single together um, at a similar time. Girls about town. <laughs> exactly. And how many times have you gone home with someone who has a beautiful, you know, they're dressed really well, their aesthetics are on point, their home environment's lovely, they might have, you know, I don't know, Aesop hand soap on their kitchen bench, and they've got, you know, beautiful products from Mecca or, um, you know, Sephora, I don't know, just lovely shops that they yeah. shop at. $200 on a, on a scented candle, $7.50 on lube. And, 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 a, and a, a, a lube that's under their bed in like this kind of dust, icky covered you know box that they hide in shame and the packaging you know as you open the i don't know ansel or lifestyles or whatever the brand is it's all white like, jelly like farts on your hand and you have to kind of close the lid on the you know kind of toothpaste tube-esque experience and then you put that to the side while you then have your palm covered in this goop that you know you either put on your bits or put on their bits or whatever it is you put some in your mouth and it makes you want to hurl or it just tastes disgusting and you put it in your ass and it feels really sticky or tacky and doesn't feel sort of human at all um, and similarly then during you have to potentially reapply or you've got too much so you have to kind of wipe it on you know the sheets or something in the in the moment of passion um, and all of these experiences are so subpar to what you have you know, if it was a face cream, no one would accept that as um, okay. But for some reason, I think it's to do with shame and to do with people not believing they deserve better. And that's sort of like deep-seated in the patriarchy and, and our yeah, ideas and, around all of that, I think. And also, when you go to someone's house that really cares about nice products in their bathroom, they're on display, but rarely are people displaying their sex lotions. Absolutely. And so you don't even so get a chance to see what your friends are doing. Exactly. And then there's not really conversations around that either. I think queer, queer people and gay men particularly are good at this because we've, through coming out, we've identified that sex is, you know, something that we are, are active in and, and, and pursuing and therefore that means that we're probably the best at this of everyone. Um, having never had sex with a straight person, I don't actually know um, what their experiences are like. But talking to female friends or male friends, they don't, um, lube isn't necessarily something that they're very considerate of in what they're you know, um, choosing to purchase or whatever. And then I guess there's you, the you need to get your market research team onto that sex with straight people just to gather some data, you know? Mm. So then there's the after experience as well. Like you, it's all sticky and tacky and stuck to you. So you need to have a shower and therefore you miss that moment of, you know, intimacy or tenderness that you, you know, can cuddle for half an hour or an hour or fall asleep in each other's arms because that's what you want to do. But often if you're kind of balls are sticking to your legs or your butt feels like it's got this you know goop in it you often a shower is the only way to kind of get that off so with our formulations we're trying to create products that a create spontaneity that you can you know have them in small sizes they fit in your pocket or your wallet or your purse um, and then you can take them out you can have spontaneous sex then be it at a beat or in a club or in a toilet or those sorts of environments you can also, you know, use them at home, but then the, the formulations don't squirt out like a huge, you know, blob onto your hand. The packaging is all very considered, so you would proudly display it on your bedside table or, you know, in your glove box. Or if it fell out of your purse, you wouldn't go, you, you wouldn't gasp. Um, people would just go, oh, it's that very beautiful. <laughs> uh, do I notorious. smell uh, Australian botanicals? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we've kind of put in all of those cues um, that I think a lot of other Australian founded brands have 
created, but I don't think anyone's done it around sex before. And that's what we're, mm. we're trying to do. It does have a nice, speaking of Australianness, it has a really nice pragmatism to all parts of it. It's not, it's design, but not at the sake of function. When you see the selections, they've got nice sort of shelf appeal. Everything is sort of anchored back to a kind of colloquial terminology. It, it all just feels very, uh, very Australian in its pragmatism. Yeah, we kind of went for that really utilitarian um, uh, aesthetic as well, that it was, you know, uh, understated and kind of, yeah, very practical and upfront um, and honest without sort of, I guess there's two options at the moment. There's sort of like the the very medical looking product where it's like a blue swirl or like a very, you know, looks like something that you're using to, I don't know, give birth to Whiten your teeth. Or, <laughs> exactly, whiten your teeth maybe. Um, and then the other option is like the kind of black horny devil, like, you know, um, red horn. Dirty, dirty little secret kind of uh, space. Exactly. And that's, mm. well, I think both of those create shame for different reasons. One is like, oh, this is something that's sort of around, um, not, not focused on pleasure at all. It's around, um, yeah, really uh, the, a, a medical experience of sex. Um, which feels very around maybe, um, yeah, contraception and um, also very het cis sex. Mm. Um, and then the other option is sort of like shaming you or, or making you feel naughty or something like that, which I think also kind of reiterates the shame uh, that people feel around sex. So, yeah, trying to not sit in either of those spaces and, yeah, have things that actually taste really good if they do end up in your mouth, um, that they, they dry to your skin really nicely so you don't have to get up and miss that moment with, with yourself or with a partner. Um, you know, I want to be able to have sex in the morning and go to work not having had a shower. So I still smell like the person I was with and the lubes and therefore have sort of absorbed into my skin or any, you know, even better, they've actually benefited my skin. We have a, a mm. coconut oil-based um, product, which is our oil-based lube. It's fractionated coconut oil. The reason that came about was because um, often my, me and my partner would be having sex trying to fist the jar, a litre jar of coconut oil, trying to melt it because it's winter and it's hard, or in summer you're putting your hand into this, like, jar of goop that is so mm. you know could just spill anywhere um so putting it into a liquid liquefied form formula adding in a bunch of different uh, other native oils as well including cbd oil um yeah a bunch of other australian botanicals and then putting that into a format that does just disperse a little bit onto your skin and that you can just rub all over your body and there's no issue in the way that you know lots of people use coconut oil for sort of moisturizing properties yeah and but also coconut oil is fabulous as it is to moisturize with it does kind of go off on if you try and wear it like natural coconut oil you can get a little bit um acerbic as something that you want to have scenting your skin. I think it, it sort of mm. it lasts for the first few hours, but if you if it's something that you want to wear all day long, it's not not it's not designed for that one. It's, it's sort of um, not optimized for usage on your skin. So the idea of it being a key ingredient in something that then ultimately can be, you know, nourishing your skin is mm. practical and a really good idea. Uh, yeah. In terms of in terms of the. Well, actually, I'd love to, maybe we'll do it chronologically because I'd love to find out about even how you approach that design process. But let's go all the way back to your life before existing in this mm. space creatively and, and for your career to take yeah. this turn where you're combining things that you're clearly really passionate and, and enthusiastic about. But were mm. you always existing in this universe or what was your uni life like? Yeah, uh, and yeah. I know because we were living together when you were doing uni, so but yeah. uh, why don't we discuss, you know, where this journey began for you in terms of yeah. the career path? Yeah, absolutely. Great, great question, because there is so much context to all of this. Um, I, I originally studied languages and history, sort of sociology at university, um, finished that degree and then started interior design and absolutely loved it, ate it up. Uh, worked as a commercial interior designer for about two years, um, but the work just wasn't what I had hoped and really lacked any, well, for me, as a junior, really lacked that creativity and there's a lot of long hours kind of documenting buildings. And I was working in large architecture offices at the time. Um, everyone was telling me how lucky I was to work in the places I was and I was so unhappy. Um, so I left that career to join um, my brothers in a health business that was originally our family business and we were, fo we were focused on creating products that we sold in pharmacy. 
So I got quite a lot of marketing and brand experience through that business and worked on that for about five years. What, what's an, what's an example of some of the, the products that you were working with oh, yeah. for that five year so, period? Yeah, so we do a range of um, uh, TGA registered products, medical devices. Um, we've got an IBS product, an eye um, spray, an ear product. Um, what else? A mouth ulcer product. Sort of like general health, probably not vitamins and supplements at all, um, but sort of general health and well-being. Little life hacks is probably the way we describe a lot of those products. And I... Yeah, look, it, it's a, it was a really fun business to work in and I loved working with my brothers, but my passion wasn't there for sort of those lifestyle products. Um, and I was pretty adamant that this should exist. Now, it didn't have a name, it's a this being drip, but it didn't have a name, didn't have um, a brand, didn't have um, yeah any of that. It was really, I, there were two things that I thought were really lacking in my life <laughs> and that was sex education um, around pleasure pleasure-focused sex education that was um, open about talking about things that we don't get taught at all, particularly as queer people. But, um, yeah, I think my sex education, so much of it was uh, started at sort of late teens. I missed a lot of the earlier stuff because I hadn't come out and I wasn't comfortable sleeping with men. So it really started when I was probably 18 and I had to kind of play catch-up as to... Everything from, you know, how do you suck dick? How do you eat ass? How do you douche? How do you, um, you know, what are your aftercare processes? How do you put small things in your ass? How do you put big things in your ass? How mm. do you, and, you know... And 18, are, <laughs> 18 is actually like in the scope of heteronormative sex would be considered a, almost like a late bloomer. But in the scope of when your eyes are allowed to discover homosexuality, usually post high school or once they're mm. out in the wider world, away from, you know, immediate family life or they're at uni, then that journey begins and you actually need to play catch up, I noticed, and almost have awkward, bad teenage experiences just for the sake of making mistakes in terms of how you're doing all the things in order to then kind of catch up with Absolutely. where you should be I mean, for your age. And you've got this body of a fully grown man, but you're acting like a kind of 11 year old straight person. What I imagine, mm. you know, you're, you're sort of playing and discovering and exploring, but there's all the, you know, I think the younger kids, it's actually quite good because things like alcohol or drugs or any of that aren't involved in their process at a younger age. It depends on who they are, of course. But if you've got those more innocent years to kind of play and discover, when, with, from my experience was, hey, here's a license, you can drive a car, here's a, you know, the ability to drink and go out and party and you get to have sex with these people it's sort of like a bit of a you know <laughs> mm. a bit of a hot mess and i think that yeah. you see that in a lot of gay culture where um we you know and we self-medicate uh with you know alcohol or drugs early on and that sort of creates a bit of a pattern like i, I don't think i had sex sober with anyone for the first few years of of being mm. out and gay because there's there was so much oppression and fear and anxiety and um because of years of being closeted and, and fearing um, sex. And that this was also in a context pre-prep and pre, um, you know, when, when condoms were, uh, had to be used, you know, no matter what, because um, the fear of HIV was so present. And yeah, so um, the, the, getting back to the question, which was around the, the existence of the thing, I really wanted to create a content site that was really valuable to people that if I wanted to get into fisting, there's a place I can go that isn't government sponsored or isn't focused on sort of um, STIs or HIV or any of those type institutions that exist where the ACONS or Thorn Harbour or those types of um, you know, queer organisations that are doing sex education, but they're really doing it around STIs and, um, and health-based stuff. I wanted to create a place where you could find informative information from people within the community. I'm not, a, I'm not a pro on anything, so therefore I want to have professionals, you know, who are in each space contribute, write the article or create the content piece, and then we'll publish it and have it there forever, hopefully. Uh, and therefore it becomes this 
beautiful archive of queer stories and exchange of information where people can for free, if I'm 18 and I want to learn about how to douche or learn about how to fist or learn about how to get over trauma or learn about, you know, methods around how to suck dick properly or, um, you know, why we've got a piece on there around vulva pain. You know, why is it that some people experience that and others don't? All of these sort of subjects, and there's really no topic is too taboo. I mean, obviously, it's all around consensual behaviour. We don't um, explore anything that's outside of that realm. Um, but if it's consensual and, and, and it's adults uh, performing it, then we really want to talk and discuss all those things. So I kind of believe that if you can lean into your kinks or your fetishes or the things that you're into... The sooner you do that, the better person you're going to be, the better partner you're going to be, the better, you know, uh, son, brother, sister, daughter, you know, community member, neighbour, all those things. You're going to be a better person if you can explore and indulge in those things more without shame and without fear. So mm. if we can get you closer to that sooner and younger, then I think you'll have better kind of mental health outcomes and the community is more broadly this is very idealistic maybe but the community more broadly will, will benefit from you being in your bliss that makes that so much sense because if you think about all the fact that everyone is if even 75 percent of the lgbtqia plus community is harboring some sort of shame around something that is ultimately a pleasure center or something that is aligned with their bliss and that's the energy they're tapping into every time they're called to explore their sexuality. Mm. Could you imagine the removing of those barriers, what that would facilitate even in terms of then freeing them up to focus their energy on other things, like being mm. a more amazing partner or being um, more uh, meditative in their sex practices, you know, all the ways in which you can't really think about those. It's almost like a Maslow's hierarchy of beliefs. If you're still existing in a... Uh, hierarchy of needs, sorry. Mm. It's, if you're still existing in a trauma space every time you show up where your triggers are activated and you have to do healing mm. around that, but that's a 10-year, 20-year process of not addressing those things, how powerful would it be if you can start to then move up the up the pyramid towards things yeah. that feel like the, the most powerful alignment version of that thing? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so and that was, oh, yeah, that so was really... Oh, in terms of... Oh, sorry, I just wanted to ask you, in terms of no, no. Um, holding the uh, inspiration for uh, the, the, the product offering and the content platform, did they both become formed in your mind in tandem with each other or did you come to one first and then the other? Yeah, uh, good question. So, I mean, I think the, the content has really been on my mind for 10, 10 15 years. Like my, once I had enough experience outside of my young self to go, hang on a second, that wasn't okay that I, you know, went home with that person that drunk and had sex with them or that was probably a little bit unsafe going into that environment being so uninformed. Why didn't I, you know, I felt shame around something or, you know, was made to feel bad about something in all those experiences. And then you went, hang on, I'm, a, I'm an 18-year-old who's just come out. There shouldn't be an expectation that I should know all of this sort of like that. Um, and really porn had informed so much of what I understood and, and it wasn't porn like it is now. It was, you know, images and very lo-fi, not HD kind of porn. Low, low bandwidth, slowly loading exactly. images. Yeah, exactly. Fax modem, ADSL images <laughs> loading like that. Um, so, yeah, that, that, was probably, that was probably on my mind for the last 15 odd years. I, I spent, um, as part of my second degree, I spent three years living in Berlin and that had that really informed a lot of this i think the way that uh, a lot of my community over there live and the freedom which the queer community um, live with and um, the way they kind of operate through the city is i found so inspiring and there's a real um, the kind of german frankness about life mixed with like this incredibly international community kind of come together to create this yeah, incredibly sex positive. Um, it's very common to meet people who are very, very open. And um, I absolutely love that city and that place, but, but more that attitude and that mentality where um, people are upfront and frank about what they're into, what they like, what they don't like. Um, and that feedback, you know, in, 
in the community where you, it may be an intimate experience you're having with someone or you're having sex with someone and they'll give you feedback quite directly. Uh, but then more on a community level, people are talking and discussing things. There are events, parties, you know, festivals, all that type of stuff um, is very uh, normal or everyday even over there. And I think that really solidified my understanding of what that experience could be like if we just shifted things a little bit and created, you know, information accessibility like this. Uh, which, mm. Yeah, so that was kind of the drip feed idea. And then I guess the um, coming from a, or having worked in a product-based business, understanding how you can, you know, design and improve people's experiences of product, product being a consumable product in this case, not a, a, a consumable, you know, um, yeah, so like the, a, ta the, a tangible three D product a, as exactly. opposed to a digital product. It, yeah. Exactly. Um, so having those, um, yeah, and being able to improve those products over time, those tangible products, and the user experience being so central central to that, I think that perhaps a lot of the archaic or old brands that are in the space have really not considered any of this. Um, and it was actually through. I, I remember um, being. Yeah, being at different parties and um, I started to become a little bit of a go-to person for um, things like this. And I'll, I'll give you one example. Um, I discovered um, at a gay party, it was actually at Trough, um, this product called a Microlax. I don't know if you've heard of those, Dan. I have, I, um, I have since heard of it, yeah. Right. So they are a product. And, and, and I've heard of it because you told me about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they are a product primarily um, for elderly people living with constipation. It's a small five five mil um, kind of um, plastic uh, enema that you put in your ass, and within probably ten minutes, your entire bowel will empty. Uh, and I was at a party where people were using these, and gay men were appropriating what is meant to be like a sixty-year-old or I don't know, maybe eighty-year-old person's product or someone living with you know severe um, constipation and they're appropriating them to use for phlebotomy uh, to really easily and quickly um, douche kind of on the go anyway once I discovered that um, we started uh, I started using them a lot uh, and they really became my go-to for a really quick easy way to douche and much easier than sort of you know <coughs> filling your bowels with lots of water and all of this sort of, yeah, other, other yeah. methods of doing that. <laughs> Gay men have single-handedly put Coca-Cola pump water through <laughs> into, into, the, into every 7-Eleven around Australia. Um, yeah, that's its point of difference in the market. <laughs> mm. <clears throat> um, so I started, I, I almost became like a, a bit of a promo girl for this, this brand. And I, <laughs> I, I assume that the people who own this, it, it's owned by GSK, GlaxoSmithKline, which is like one of the largest pharmaceutical companies in the world. I assume they have no idea that gay men are appropriating their products. And I actually don't know, you know, I should put a little disclaimer here. I have no idea around the health and the gut health um, safety around this product. I know that if you're using it every day for many days in a row, your microbiome gets really shot. But I guess, the, the, um, I, yeah, prefacing what I'm saying about this product with that, uh, speak to a doctor if you're going to use it a lot, I think. Um, but the idea yeah, that... Long weekends and, and party, party times, totally fine. A couple of nights a week, not so fine. You've, yeah, yeah disclaimer. Potentially. Again, not a doctor, so speak to a doctor about that if you need to. Um, but I guess the, the, the experience of that product and the way that people were appropriating it and um, using it in a way that benefited them for outcomes of pleasure, um, I think was a really interesting, or, yeah, kind of pivotal moment going, hang on, why don't we, why aren't these spoken about more? Why isn't... Oh, why isn't there a better solution for this thing? Exactly. And I, I also love uh, the idea that you, as a as someone who, you know what you're talking about, what you're able to achieve as a really small operation compared to what a, a big mega mm. company can do. And there's something about my experience of the bureaucracy of big corporations and the amount of, like everything is made kind of, everything is signed off on by a committee. And often you don't get that specific experience really informing the products and, and things actually, have to lean into being non-specific by design. Totally. 
And I actually think that there's probably so much shame within those environments. And there's such a, um, you know, you can't talk to colleagues or your boss about things like douching or, um, you know, having particular types of sex. And therefore, maybe in, within those corporate organisations, they're so tight-lipped about it all because it's potentially... I don't know, is it harassment to talk to a colleague about that sort of stuff? Maybe it is. Mm. With us, we're such a small business um, and I work primarily with my, my brothers. We are very open book, you know, talk about everything, bring your whole self to work. And it's through that that we've been able to create these products and um, not, yeah, and, and have subject matter on the website that is quite confronting um, and is quite out there. People are pretty shocked by, you know, some of the articles and some of the content territories that we're covering. Um, and it's so it's so nice that it exists there because it's not actually saying, all right, everyone in the community needs to be across this. You're saying, here is an offering for those who are interested in discovering it. And in the meantime, if it's not your jam, then don't yeah. go and don't seek it out. A hundred percent. And yeah, being able to um, have that available to people if they want it. And it might be something that they read one day and you know, don't act on for a number of weeks, months, years, and then come back to it or um, you know, sort of t start exploring some of it and, and yeah, being, being around for their journey as we mm. need to be. Um, but yeah, obviously not forcing anyone to, to be involved or read anything that they, they don't read. So when it comes to your, the way in which you've been able to bring, like to show up in a way that taps the part of, well, how do you bring your passions to the work? Do you, uh, or, or let me ask the same question a different way. What are the parts of the process that you have been loving the most? It's mm, a really good question. Um, I mean, I love, I've always loved hearing people's kinks and fetishes and hearing people talk about them. Um, there's nothing I enjoy more, I think, than sitting at a cafe table with a friend and hearing them talk about um, a sexual experience they just had or have been having and them sort of, you know, bearing their soul and um, you seeing the glee and joy on their face um, about this thing that, you know, they think was really funny or really dirty or um, I kind of have just always relished in those kind of conversations and I think that people... Maybe it's because I relish in them or maybe I provide a kind of open space, but people are usually pretty willing to share that stuff with me. Mm. And Yeah, because um, you definitely I, make you definitely make the recipient feel like it's championed and celebrated and important. I think that's so nice when you're talking about something that, that has been confronting at one time to have mm. it received in that way. And that's it's that, that essence actually now that you mention it really extends to all the, the digital touch points of of the drip feed, it feels like everyone that's stories are being shared are done so uh, in a way that's so um, full of integrity and really ce and really celebratory. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's really what we're we're trying to do. So that's really nice feedback to hear. Um, but yeah, I, I I really love that part of it, and that's kind of creating the content. So I I go out to try and find. Sometimes they find me, but often try and find people who are engaging in certain sex practices, certain kinks, fetishes, certain artists doing things, sex workers, whatever it is, and really try and build a relationship with them and, and build trust that, um, you know, would you be willing to, you know, write or be interviewed or discuss your work or your passion or whatever, hobby, whatever it is, with me? And if they are, um, and that, that usually takes a little bit of, you know, time. So I'll meet and have a coffee or we'll chat on Zoom or that kind of thing. And then build that relationship with the person um, or be introduced, you know, via someone. If anyone listening to this podcast is interested in, in featuring or us doing a piece on them, we pay all contributors and I would love, um, yeah, I would love to hear from you. Uh, but yeah, I, I really love that part of the job. But the other part I really love is the creation of or the ideation around product. And we intend to launch, you know, more products, but really always trying to improve um, uh, the yeah, the experience and therefore critically analyzing the experience as well. So when I'm mm. having sex with someone, um, I go, okay, cool. What would make this just like a little bit better? Or what were the sort of fumbly moments that we could try and iron out a little bit? Mm. I kind of want the product to be, you know, James Bond goes to his, um, 
what's James Bond's assistant's name? Oh, Q. Who has Q, exactly. Little, you know, little Q, cachet of, of exactly. very specifically designed tools exactly. to get the job done. Exactly. And if we can be the sex version of that, <laughs> where <laughs> there are, you know, just, just little things that just make it a little bit better and nicer and, and, and the whole experience as well from the... And this is an experience of someone you may have met 10 minutes ago that you will you know never see again in 10 minutes time or it might be an experience of someone you see every day and you have for 20 years i think both of those experiences require this frictionless pleasure or this idea of frictionless pleasure where if you're meeting them for the first time and you're not going to see them again you want to come off as you know cool and james bond-esque in the way that you interact with them because what james you know, bond did kind of <laughs> Good one. Um, and then the the other experience is okay. Well, if you're with someone for twenty years, and I've I've been with my partner for uh, close to six and a half or so, so I'm not quite at twenty. But I know that from from our experience of our relationship, sex dies down over time, and you're not doing it as often. You're both busier. You're both you know all of those sort of things that happen with a long term relationship. So therefore, when you have it, you want it to be fucking good. You want it to be lovely, and you want it to be you know, really a, a cherished moment because it is only happening, I don't know, once a week or whatever, you know, time um, you're doing it. So I think both of those experiences and everywhere in between are really require this, yeah, this idea of frictionless or, and, you know, um, yeah, seamless um, mm. pleasure. And if we can continue to create products that, yeah, identify those friction points. What is it that stops you? If, if this is you and you know, this is Dan and this is Dan experiencing pleasure, what are the things, what are the emotional or um, educational things we can do to kind of bring you closer to here? And then what are the product related things? How can we make it, you know, fit in your bum bag a little bit nicer or, you know, lock the top so it doesn't leak everywhere or, um, you know, create the formula that it feels good on your skin or doesn't taste bad if you're, you know, putting a dick back in your mouth or those types mm. of things. Just really trying to, um, yeah, really kind of fine-tune all of those to create an incredibly luxurious experience for everyone. So you mentioned that the brands that you really, or the, the product experiences that you really didn't want to embrace, but when you were ideating what your uh, optimal product experience would be, were there any heroes or stars in terms of products that either people, uh, are topical products that people use mm. in the beauty space or even brands in terms of I wanted to feel like that magazine. Or were there any mm. heroes that you called upon? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, in terms of um, content-wise, you know, the likes of um, Butt Magazine. Um, you know, even I don't know. Do you remember Viva Cool City, Dan? I don't know. Oh my god! <laughs> I was a, I was a host on Viva Cool City for a couple of episodes. So, um, but actually, just just before I'll, we. Oh. Oh, just before we move on from Butt, for anyone who wants to experience a really, it doesn't exist anymore, but Butt was a mm. printed publication. It's just relaunched. It's just Oh, re really? Fantastic. Pink paper, very, mm. very sex positive, really gay centric, probably out of Berlin. I don't even know where it originated, but it was a cool magazine, a magazine. Yeah. Uh, fan, yeah. Uh, fa yeah, for for kind of, you know, art, art artfully minded, sex positive yeah. gay guys. Yeah. It was probably a little bit too kind of cis, white, gay for that. So just so the audience knows, like I wasn't, I guess the mentality and the ideas around it were what I was trying to capture. Um, yeah. Similarly, I don't know, you look at, you look at things, um, you know, yeah, Viva Cool City, the likes of, um, you know, even publications like Vice that show very upfront, you know, forward thinking, um, progressive ideas, and they're not necessarily sex focused, but just their, mm. their tone and the way that they present things. Um, similarly, and they were, a the thing about Viva, oh sorry, the thing about Viva Cool City for people who might not know, because that was actually a pre-Vice video platform mm. run by a friend of ours that did hundreds and hundreds of documentaries that were really uh, immersively, immersive journalism where someone would uh, create a three to five minute documentary where they would enter someone's world and if they're going to speak to a dominatrix, they would become the sub of that dom for the chat, or if they're going to speak to some, yeah. some guys who found a new way to get high in, like, regional Victoria, they were going to join them on the expedition. And so yes. there's something very um, non-judgmental because the storyteller is, is experiencing the world yeah. of the subject very um, immersively, which I think is a great, yeah. great um, uh, framework through which to tell someone's mm. story, for sure. 
Yeah, so there were sort of those. Um, there's also a fantastic publication out of New York called File, P-H-I-L-E. I would highly recommend. Um, it, they've only done, I think they've done five or six, and I think they've finished. Um, but then there were also events and parties that happen in Melbourne, in Berlin, that really have this attitude as well. Uh, the likes of Trofex, um, Fantastic, which is run by Eagle Leather. Um, you know, venues like Club 80, which has since closed um, mm, in rip. Melbourne. Um, but yeah, the, and then I guess, you know, institutions like Laboratory, um, uh, which is in the basement of Burkheim in Berlin, um, or, you know, even sex on premise venues that really have that um, incredibly upfront, practical type um, attitude toward uh, sex and pleasure, um, and kind of hedonism to a degree, I think, and that uh, hedonism isn't necessarily seen as a kind of dirty word in the way that it is in like a very. Um, you know, conservative religious type community that we sometimes feel like we live in in Australia. Um, and then in terms of inspiration on the product side of things, there's quite a few brands that really stand out. I mean, the obvious one is Aesop. I think their, their formulations, their packaging, branding, all of that is so beautiful and considered. Um, sometimes I think it's probably can feel like overkill, um, but I think that that's a beautiful uh, reference and that's a Melbourne founded brand as well um, so definitely feel like we're taking cues from them um, and then it, yeah I guess there's a lot of products in that sort of Mecca space or you know available at Mecca that I, I love um, that I think do that really well I haven't necessarily seen them be paired together in terms of the content and the products mm. um, in a in a way that I I mean and for all of her um, people are very critical of Gwyneth Paltrow but maybe Goop is um, Not me. Yeah. <laughs> I love me some Gwyneth. Okay. So actually, um, literally, like top top five to ten heroes. I reckon I'm coming right, for you, Gwyneth. Right. Okay. <laughs> so I mean, I think what she's done with Goop is spectacular, and for um, and and that there's there's quite a bit of sex positive content and sex positive products and luxurious type offerings on there as well. Um, so. Yeah, the, the way that she said that content will kind of always be free um, to the point that it's on, you know, it's a couple of shows on Netflix and all of that sort of thing now too. Um, but then the, the products themselves are, are beautiful and considered and things that you want to have in your home and around you and all that sort of thing. So one, thing that Goop, that, um, Goop does, uh, one, one thing that Goop does really well, which I wonder is this a potential direction for... For Drip is it's a community that can actually gather IRL in certain cities mm. in order to have um, experiences that allow people to yeah. connect to a sense yeah. of tribe around what it is they do. Would you guys ever exist in a in a, in oh, a I would love to real life space? Absolutely, I've got um I've got so many wonderful plans around that. Um, this this was born. Drip's probably been an, an idea. Um, it's probably three years. But really when the pandemic hit, it really was like, oh, I mean, for lots of reasons, I was like, I've got to do what I love. You know, we're all, mm. the world's ending, <laughs> all of those type, <laughs> um, type of, of things. But then also, um, yeah, that, that meant that it, it came out of this and, and I'm from and, you know, uh, from and live in Melbourne and our experience of this was, it was pretty dark at times. It was pretty mm. sad and lonely and scary and all of those things. And this was really born out of that, um, yeah, sort of darkness or um, moments of, you know, solitude and, and contemplation that this was born out of. And I think that that, that, that was amazing, but also the, the way forward and coming out of, we only launched products in December mm. of last year, uh, which, was meant to be much sooner, but took a long time because of the global supply chain stuff and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I, my I just intention to... is definitely to have IRL events, but we just haven't mm. been able to um, create that yet because events only just feel like they're kind of coming back to life. Mm, I, I wanted to, um, before we move away from it, just rem just get a sense, and it might, actually might be a nice way for us to, to sort of wrap up the conversation, because so many people who I think would listen to this podcast are really looking to connect what they do with what they love, and I'm so, as someone who's known you for 16 years, and we've both had so many career iterations uh, and steps, meandering pathways on that journey during that time, I'm so excited to see you do something that does combine so many things that you that you love 
but it, it's not to underestimate how long that process can take because of all mm. the, the research and gathering of intel in terms of thinking that you found the path and then hitting a wall and being like, no, because mm. this is not it, because this is missing. How did you know, or what, what did it look like, and how, were there any signs that presented themselves? Because at the point at which you joined, the, rejoined the family business, it was because you weren't satisfied in the interior architecture space, mm. and you went to join, uh, you know, that, that would have presented itself as being potentially like a, the solution, but then it wasn't immediately that you discovered that you could put that energy towards Drip, that there would have been another round mm. of hitting a wall before you went, okay, this is not it yet. I still need to go and find a way to do what I love and this isn't it. Were there signs or mm. how, did, how could yeah. you tell that you weren't satisfied? So um, my brother, who actually was, for those listening at home, was our other housemate, the three, Dan, yes. Nick and I lived together. And Nick, um, he came into my office a couple of times when I was working in the, in the in the sort of health product business, and was like, "Hugh, you're not you're not passionate about this." And I said, "What do you mean? Yes, I am. I, I love I love you know I love these products and blah blah." blah. And he's like, "No, I've I've seen you get ready for um, Rainbow Serpent, or I've seen you get ready for Mardi Gras, or I've seen what you're like when you want to do something." You are so. I've got. I've, I've got a real enthusiasm for life, and um, he, he's, you know, obviously lo loves that about me, and was very aware that that wasn't what was showing up at work. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to work on the weekend. I didn't want to, you know, spend time outside of work focused on work things. I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to go and have fun or, or live in. in yeah, have experiences that didn't really relate to my career and, and profession. Um, and he sort of gave me the challenge and it was a bit of an ultimatum. It was like, well, if you don't want to do this, then as your best friend and brother and boss, you kind of have to leave. Um, but if you do want to do this, come back to me with an idea of what you think this could you could do instead of this, if you still mm -hmm. want to you know, be a part of this. And that, that was pretty hard. There's a pretty hard pill to swallow at the time. I was like, oh, Jesus, this is, you know, this, it's so loaded with family and with, you know, career and, you know, your income and your life and all these things kind of coming into play. Um, but the result of that was me sort of putting together a, a, a bit of a presentation around, you know, what, what the market size was for something like this and this, you know, this sort of sexual wellness or sexual health industry, you know, what the kind of gaps are in the existing brands that exist and, you know, what can we do to sort of, what's going to be our positioning that's different to that um, and really drawing on the community too of, or, or our, our, the queer community around, you know, what we need and want and what people aren't really listening to us and why queer sex is never centred in any of these conversations. So that sort of all started to um, evolve and, yeah, that was... We then sort of started to create... I then briefed an agency um, that created the visual identity for the brand um, and it sort of just kept rolling on from there. I, I love that and, it's, and I think everyone will have a version of that where they will be just moving from one kind of roadblock to another new path in order to then go, no, this isn't quite it yet, but it actually is a process of refinement. And I think just as you, all of those seemingly right paths that end up being not the one are never wasted because I feel like you gather such important intel along the way. And then when you end up coming to the right solution, usually it's drawing from that wisdom either directly or indirectly in order mm. to then go, ah, this is how I can actually be Kind of a service, you know, you're looking for a way to make a difference in a community that you really care about mm. using yes. skills that are specifically yours. Yeah, absolutely. And that was really going, how can I, I think that for me it was really about like, you know, yeah, if, if life ends within however many years, which it will for all of us, um, what is the, what, what can I do with the, you know, pieces on my chessboard that I have left? Okay, well, what are the best things I could do from this position? And, you know, what's the kind of most positive impact and how, it sounds really cheesy, but, you know, how do you want to be remembered? Um, if I can be remembered by um, being a, a, a 
person or a friend or a community member who was encouraging and in um, you know enthused by people living their pleasure and their bliss uh, and their desires. Um, I think that for me is just such a humbling um, experience. And so yeah, being being able to create a life based around building that for others um, mm. and other people kind of coming on that journey. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, incredibly, um, incredibly privileged position. Oh, I love that. Well, I, I, I love to uh, end by asking people if I was to check in with you in a year's time, is there a project or something that is in development or just a twinkle in your eye currently that you would love to have completed? Mm, it's a great question. A um, couple of things. One is probably the product side of things. We want to keep um, introducing new products around friction. Um, so watch this space. We have a few um, coming up, one of which is an incredibly luxurious bamboo wipe that we're going to do um, that, yeah, kind of keeps you fresh for on the go um, and similar different bottle sizes and a couple of improvements around some of our packaging in the next iteration of products. Um, and then in terms of the brand, there's something around showing up physically that I want to create. Um, I'm not exactly sure where it is yet, but it is potentially around how, to, how does Drip um, uh, live when it is in a physical space? Um, you know, this, yeah, this kind of got these ideas around, um, you know, gender non-specific, very safe, very inclusive dark rooms or sex venues or um, perhaps it's a pop-up space in that where there can be sort of education combined with um, you know experiences of pleasure all in a very consensual safe you know sober environment um, and I'm just trying to currently working out how with events all back on and I'm assuming by sort of next summer we'll have a, a, a really sound plan around um, how do we create an inclusive diverse you know safe pleasurable happy wonderful space where people can experience their you know desires um, and yeah, I hope that if we do speak in a year, or, I mean, I'm sure I'll speak to you before then, <laughs> but that, I, that that's progressed and that we've got a, um, yeah, something that when, when people show up to an event and they know Drip are going to be there, this is, how we, this is how we present and this is how we're there mm. every time, you know, consistently giving people that incredibly, you know, luxurious, safe, beautiful, um, you know, really surprising and delighting. Um, people in those um, in those ways that um, yeah I want to kind of be as a brand mm, I love that and also I love it for Melbourne I love that for, for for Australia like it's actually great for for what a what an important contribution to the space so and I'm so and as your friend I'm so wrapped just to see you uh, join the dots on things that you that really matter to you and therefore make a difference so um, so I love it and thank you for chatting been so great to have thank you thanks for having me if people want to um yeah little plug but if people want to follow yeah, us please. um the instagram is at dripfeed.life um and if you'd like to purchase products i would be forever grateful um we're available obviously online via the website at dripfeed.life um alternatively you can subscribe to our um, fortnightly newsletter which includes all of our content each fortnight so you get a little um sex positive um, inbox email every second thursday and um, also the, the only way any of this can happen is via people purchasing the products themselves, which you can get in stores, places like Eagle Leather, Passion Fruit in Melbourne, Saks Fetish in Sydney, Pleasure Chest in Sydney, um, or via our website. That would be um, absolutely wonderful and I'd be really, yep. really grateful. I'll, I'll put a, all the, the links to everything you've mentioned in the oh, show amazing. notes as well so people can access Beautiful. the Instagram, the website, the EDM link and, 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 and everything and, and or even sport a drip feed t-shirt. <laughs> Please. Um, um, oh, thanks, Hugh. Well, I look forward to uh, seeing, seeing you IRL really soon. Okay. Thanks, Dan. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.